Welcome back to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. I'm your host, Amber Vins Box. Born and raised in the English countryside and now living stateside in LA, Louise Rowe took her passion for writing, inquisitive interviewing skills, and love for fashion and developed a successful career that has spanned from TV host, author, red carpet correspondent, to content creator for her own fashion and lifestyle blog, Front Row. Louise has not only written for People Style Watch, Martha Stewart Weddings, and InStyle UK, but she even had her own home featured in Architectural Digest and was an on-air correspondent for The Royal Wedding in 2011. Today on Like to Know It Influencer Radio, Louise shares her story with us. One of my favorite things about this industry and getting to be a part of it is actually the friends that I make from all over the world. And you are not from the States. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. I'm not. I am from England. I've lived in LA almost 11 years. And I grew up just outside London in a very leafy village. So I had the best of both worlds. I had a very rural upbringing. I was really lucky, but I also was able to go into London, especially as I got older, and absorb, let's say, the culture, not the pubs. <laughs> a bit of both. But I really, you know, I feel, I still feel very, very British, but I also, you know, have lived and worked and run my company in America for so long. So I, I love and adore America too. I feel very lucky. What was it like growing up in Surrey? Was this a small town or is it a bigger town? Village, yeah, it was a small. Village. It was. It's, it's a lot bigger now. But when I was little, we lived next to the woods, and literally the bridle path came past my bedroom. It sounds like a book. It was amazing. The horses were sort of galloped past, and the village was a baker's, you know, little cafe. Really cute. So I loved it, and actually, it's definitely influenced how. My husband and I would like to raise our daughter. I think having as much space and, you know, you're from Texas, there's space there. If you can run around as a kid, I think that's great. I have to ask, what were people doing on horses? <laughs> um, well, the riding. So it was just, you know, going for a fun, jolly old ride yeah. on a Saturday morning. It was very cute. That is very cute. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your parents. I'm so curious where your creativity came from. My parents are awesome. I feel uh, it's nice the older you get you can become mates with them, you know, and we'll now have like a cocktail and, and a laugh. And my dad started his own business aged, I think, 24. He was in publishing Fleet Street, which is a very famous street in London where all the newspaper editors worked. And he was what you call a hack, you know, a real reporter running around getting stories. Then he became a really young editor, aged 24, editor of a newspaper. So he's he's awesome. And he has always told me to just go for it. And I remember we, I was about 10 years old and we were walking around the garden once and he said, I know you're going to have your own company. And I was like, no, I'm not, Dad. I want to be the editor of Vogue. I don't want to have my own company. And lo and behold, he was right. But he did a bit of a Jerry Maguire. He literally left a big publishing company, kind of said, who will come with me? And a couple of people raised their hands. And he started a publishing company back in the 80s that was hospitality, travel, hotels, that kind of thing. They launched about seven or eight magazines and he did really well. So I've always looked to him for inspiration and he loves to write, he loves to travel. And I definitely, definitely took that with me. I should talk about my mum too. <laughs> yeah. my mom Let's hear about mum. Yeah. Um, my mum is awesome and she speaks like seven languages and um, she's lived in all sorts of countries around the, the globe. And so she's definitely inspired my love of travel as well. 
and I just I really lucked out I can't imagine now that I'm a mum what it must be like for your kid to turn around and say I'm moving across the world now I don't know when I'll be back and they were so supportive about it and and it's I you know it must have hurt <laughs> well it sounds like they're very much global citizens I mean to speak seven languages I can barely speak my own language yeah, no it is amazing actually I mean I don't think seven are fluent but she'll she would downplay it and never show off about it but she really does I think Spanish Portuguese French Italian a little bit of Dutch and German and English that's incredible <laughs> very impressive woman clearly and then for school did you know that you wanted to be a journalist um I did actually I loved English. I loved books, reading, writing. And I went to university, uh, a place called Durham, which is a beautiful, historic medieval town, actually, which has a castle and a cathedral that are sort of lit up at night. You look up at them and they actually filmed Harry Potter while I was there. So you can kind of get the idea of the place. And it's a very studious town. You know, there are lots of law students and the libraries we got to study in are hundreds and hundreds of years old. I was not to say we worked that hard the whole time. We were completely naughty and had fun. I played lacrosse and had a really good time. But I did, towards the end, really think, right, journalism is what I want. I would like to go into magazines like my dad, but more of a fashion edge. And so I was always quite focused, I would say, at applying for internships. And even when I was 16, I did work experience at Condé Nast Traveller and they snuck me in under the age limit. I think thanks to my dad, it helped. But I was always doing work experience in every holiday, unpaid. Because I think from a young age, I realised that it's, it's a glamorous industry, therefore, quote unquote, harder to get into. And you kind of need the contacts. So I wanted to build them up early. I think even if this is a good tip, you know, even I, I, I think I did two days at the Financial Times, but it still went on my resume. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Luis, nothing if not savvy. And, you know, I love when you talk about the glamorous career and you, you're doing your time there, but you did your time also at less glamorous places. Yes, I think you're leading into a certain story, Amber. Tell um, us, So I've been, gosh, I've worked in many pubs. I was terrible at pouring pints. They used to literally take me off the till. They would yeah. be like, don't worry about doing that because I was so bad at it. But I was a really bad waitress in all sorts of restaurants. And then I think my pièce de résistance was at uni. I used to get up in the freezing cold, <laughs> drive to this shopping mall, dress up as a giant frog. So my face was covered, literally like a Disney character, that kind of vibe and give out free diaper wipes. They were called Candu. The brand still exists. And I thought this is amazing because I was paid a lot more than my mates who were in the pub until the boys caught wind of it, drove to the shopping centre and like outed me as the frog. So, um, yeah. Louise, you know, <laughs> it's, it's funny. I mean, you're, you're a very natural entertainer. And, and actually, like growing up, you were when I looked at magazines and in the digital space, you were one of the first in the digital space and in video. And I remember actually we had recently started Reward Style. It was the following year and I was at the Condé Nast office because some of those magazines, we help them get their dot com set up and get them monetized. And I was sitting having a burger next door at a little restaurant and I saw you jump out of a cab and run into the Condé Nast building. And at the time, I was feeling super tenacious, but then also so scared because I was like, I had had you on my list of like people that I wanted to meet and that I wanted to do business with one day. And and I felt like this was my opportunity and I couldn't get my burger down fast <laughs> enough to run out of the restaurant and into Condé to chase you down, I you. which I know it, it wouldn't have gone well. So I was, I'm glad yes, that we met would. organically later. I, but I love that story. <laughs> and I love that you were eating a burger. And I remember, yes, so my story is I did all this work experience 
I graduated uni, all my friends went on vacation and I had an internship starting at L, so I, I couldn't go. And at the time I was like, Ugh, but actually it worked out. And I stayed at L about six months. I went to my first fashion week. It was London Fashion Week. One of my first interviews in the whole world was Linda Evangelista. Epic, iconic, terrifying. That then led to, I'll just do this briefly, but InStyle then gave me a, a, an assistance job, which was like, like my first paid job. And then I saw in the trade press that Vogue.com, which by the way, this was about 13, 12, 13 years ago, to just to put it into context, magazines like InStyle and Marie Claire didn't even have a website. Vogue was ahead of the game. They said they were launching Vogue TV. This is the first TV online. And I know that sounds archaic, but people just didn't watch video online. And I thought, well, someone's got to work on that. And I'd done a little bit of hosting on the side. And so I made up these two girls' email addresses that were on that article. And I figured out the Condé Nast configuration. I was quite ballsy, but I was very polite. And I said, I'd love to come in for a meeting. This is my experience in TV. And I'm currently in style, whatever, writing. And they didn't talk to each other because one replied saying, no, sorry, there's nothing for you. And the other one said, great, come in for a meeting. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'll take the positive answer there. And I dressed up and I remember preparing and I went and bought this Mew Mew shoes in the sale. And that was like my biggest splash out moment, but I've still got those shoes and I still remember why and the moment. And, and I just had this meeting and I, I was, I pitched this job where I would write stories and also host the red carpets that they wanted to cover and the events. I don't think they really knew what Vogue TV was going to be. And they made the job for me. So I, I always take from that, that, you know, what's the worst that can happen? No, you don't get it. It doesn't happen. But the best thing was I made my dream job. And for two years, I worked at Condé Nast. I traveled everywhere. I met every designer backstage at shows, every single Milan. I did GQ TV as well, doing men's fashion week, couture. I said, why don't we go to LA and cover the Oscars? She said, sure. That's how I ended up in LA. But it really was the world's my oyster. I was about 24 or 25 at the time. I was exhausted, but living on adrenaline. Were you TV trained or is this just something no, you said, I can do it? I just kind of did it. I think because I was used to interviewing people in the flesh, I, having a camera there didn't bother me. And actually, the cameraman that I hired, this is a funny side note, is Ben Winston, who is now... Emmy Award winning, I think they even won Golden, Golden Globe. And he does James Corden's shows and wow. all the One Direction documentaries. And he's mega. And so he, at the time, was my cameraman. And we used to go around London at parties and film stuff. I think that's the <laughs> best part of the industry. I know we were talking earlier and you had mentioned that it's so nice now at Fashion Week to get to spend time with your friends and to get to hang out with people that we've totally grown up with. And I identify with that as well. It's so nice to see your friends achieving and growing and you're like, we used to work together. Totally. That's part of the fun of... I mean, a friend of mine, um, Alex Eagle, we were interns together. She's now got her own stores. She she does all Soho Houses uh, stores. She's just huge huge you know name in, in the industry um Claire Wake Keller I mean which needs no introduction but obviously made Megan's wedding dress but I remember interviewing her when she was at Pringle um in Milan and so it is it is amazing to kind of see 
people who are, who are still going and, and doing really well. You know, looking from the outside, whether you're looking at Hollywood or the fashion industry, I know growing up, I used to wonder, how are they all friends or how do they get to know each other? Or how do you become friends with so-and-so? I think one of the cool things that we're seeing is just that we knew these people and we're engaging with these people as they were also then building their businesses. And, you know, Luis, I think you're someone who's always so generous with all of your contacts and your information. And I really find that, you know, to have a friend, you have to be a friend. And I think that's why you have so many relationships in the industry is because you've just been so helpful and so gracious and really bringing everybody along with you as, as you've grown. Thanks, Amber. I think you're exactly the same. And I think that it doesn't occur to me not to be like that. So it's not a conscious decision. I just automatically think, oh yeah, you should meet so-and-so or whatever. And I find it quite odd when people aren't that way. And it does happen. And people can be a bit protective or competitive. But I think, well, first of all, if someone else is going to get a job or meet someone, that's going to happen anyway. You're not going to stop it by being protective. And second of all, there's enough for everyone to go around. Like, life's bigger than that. Well, and speaking of funny personalities, I want to hear about interviewing people on the red carpet. What are some great moments? <sighs> so I moved to L.A. I started to do way more TV. I got a show called Plain Jane, which started on the CW and then moved to MTV and actually that lasted five years. So that's probably the biggest show I've ever done in terms of longevity. And we moved around the world shooting it. It was a very lovely, like a rom-com, confidence-boosting makeover show. And then whilst that was going on, I got a contract with E! and then Access Hollywood. So I still work with Access Hollywood. In fact, I'm going on there on Monday. And I did a lot of red carpet. All the, gosh, everything from like MTV Awards, Oscars. I think one of the coolest moments I was asked to anchor ABC's live Oscars coverage so they are like the channel the network that airs it live and I had my own platform like normally you're fighting you get whacked in the head with by someone else's camera you're like please can I have an interview please can I have an interview you know you're really fighting against people on the on the carpet but this was like I had my own platform they said this is your list of interviewees and this is what time they'll be there and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was first and I was like what do you mean Gwyneth is at noon no one tells Gwyneth what time to be there and they were like oh yeah yeah because you're ABC that's how it works and lo and behold that was how it went they were waiting for me wow. it was it was nuts she was super cool and I've interviewed her lots of times and she's awesome and I tested her on her cockney rhyming slang which is in London there's an at the east end they speak in a sort of patter and she knew it all she had all the banter I was really impressed and I just thought I bet you're quite fun yeah. You, you know, knock back the tequila and have a laugh. But there have been, I mean, Michael Douglas is one of the loveliest gentlemen. He, he remembered my name the second time I interviewed him. And like, that's wow. rare. Chris Hemsworth was like my biggest crush, probably still is. And he's like a man mountain because often actors are much shorter in real life. But he does not disappoint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've had some really funny moments. Emily Blunt is super cool. You know, those girls that you're like, I I think we should be besties. Mm. Her and Emma Stone are like, oh, they they're just cool. really cool, yeah. normal girls. Yeah. So, Louise, your kind of journey in this industry is, is different than a lot of the other people who have been on influencer radio and in that you, know, you started in true media <laughs> yeah. before, then ended up launching your yeah. own brand. And so now you have Front Row. Tell me a little bit about what made you decide to start your own brand. I remember being in Asia and I did a show there two seasons. It was kind of like Fear Factor meets like Fashion Police, <laughs> if you can imagine that combination. And my now husband, who 
I should add, he's a director and we met on Plain Jane and he's, we've done many shows together. He goes, your Instagram is crap. You've got all these followers. They love, you know, Plain Jane and they're very loyal and they ask you questions every day about everything from shoes to dating to careers to school, which is a nice gamut. It's not mm-hmm. just fashion that people come and ask about, which is, I love. And he was like, you really need to like do this more professionally. And I think I actually wish that he'd said that to me earlier because at this point, Instagram had been around maybe 18 months and it was so crucial, I think that time to Mm -hmm. really get on board quicker. But I just decided at that moment to do it properly. And I also decided to start a blog more as a hub where people could ask questions because I was getting them on Twitter and Facebook so much Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be able to answer them. I also missed writing articles and styling shoots. I wanted to have my own little magazine as it were. And I can remember stupidly deciding to launch it during fashion week and I was up till three in the morning proving things and I had I had hired someone to work with me but we launched it went really well and I thought let's just not expect any money yet because it's I've done it not for that reason but actually the sponsored stuff came in and I started working with reward style and it's I love it. I'm so proud of it. And I love that you can you can still see. I love looking at older articles and, and revamping. We're about to do a redesign and coming to the Reward Style Conference and really learning more about what we should be doing and feeling motivated. So it's cool to own that. What year was it that you started it? God, I, think, I don't know. I think it was 2012, but I might be wrong. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that you, you started it out, you know, as a passion project and probably in support of your business. But I would say... Your content was beautiful and the, the website has always been super professional. Thank so you. was that something that you thought of before of I'm going to publish X times per day and I'm going to hire someone to run this? Yes. And- I thought I'm doing this properly or not at all. And actually, I feel like that about any project I do, whether that's doing a line of shoes or anything. It's too fierce, the competition to do something in a crap half-hearted way. I just wouldn't be happy with myself. So, yes, I did hire someone. And and I have to say, the girls I've worked with have stayed with me for years. I literally just lost my beloved Emily, who's gone into TV production and now work with an amazing girl called Letty. And I just think that I just love that It's a real family, you know, and yes, I definitely used my magazine hat of structuring seasonal articles. What's the hook? What's the peg? What is the sort of clickbait? The caption's so important. What's the title? Why does this matter? Do people care about this subject? I'm not just throwing up pretty pictures. I want there to be some meat behind it and some advice. And actually, when I got pregnant, I realized just how important that was because the baby section suddenly became the most highest traffic. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to be able to find out more about your audience and who they are. So how do you think about your platforms today? Where all are you publishing and what kind of things are you putting in each place? I actually do probably two blog posts a week. I feel that more than that can actually turn people off. Um, And a newsletter goes out every two weeks, but people get to opt for how often they get that as well. Because again, they bug me when they come into my inbox. I I only want the things I want to read. And so that's a sort of roundup. Shopping posts are really popular. And again, they have a reason like is it full is it valentines you know it's not it's not always just because I feel like it and then I use like to know it a lot in a lot of them and I find that explaining how to use that on stories really helps as well on your Instagram Um, yeah all social platforms you know we do a vlog on YouTube and then my Pinterest is now interestingly growing so quickly it's now the biggest 
platform that drives traffic to the blog and it didn't used to be. So that's something that I go, okay, let's take note of that. And Pinterest is so visual. It's also very home and wedding and beauty. Well, it's fashion too, I suppose, for me. But anyway, these are things that are interesting and I take note of and you have to pivot. And that's something that. that not everyone knows is that Pinterest is actually almost always been for bloggers, it's been a, a traffic driver. And so if you have really beautiful imagery for those listening, you know, it's a great place to pin from the original source, your own site or yeah. your own whatever being the original source to drive traffic back to it. And so it's interesting to hear that you're having great success. Yeah. And it's fun to do it. And also it can be, and we can get into this later, but it can be pre-scheduled. And so it's something that if you're running as a business, it can be 24 hours a day. So to do all this, certainly it takes more than you and a blogger husband. Who all's on the team today? Well, actually, in the actual editorial team, it's uh, Mackenzie, who is my husband and, and takes all the photos, videos, edits everything. Um, and he does a lot more than that too. Letty, who I mentioned, who does really a lot of the admin, the scheduling and lots of the writing. And then on top of that, I do work with two agencies and a management company. So that's a fair whack of people if you then consider like their assistants and whatever. And when we all get together, it's, it fills the room. Yeah. And something that you've been passionate about more lately, speaking out for just the industry is really around children and the conversation around yeah. now that influencers are growing up, some are putting them on their social media and sites, some are not. Tell us more about what you found with that. Yeah. And this is definitely an interesting conversation that I will preface with if you want to put your child on social media, there is no judgment from me. Absolutely not. This is my story and what happened to us. I gave birth 20 months ago or so. And um, I felt like before she was born, I felt very protective. I am actually quite private. I share a lot, but there is always, like most people, some stuff that I would hold back in general, not just with regards to a baby. Anyway, when she was about three months old, Mackenzie and I put up a video and picture of us kissing her on the cheeks, kind of in a cute, jokey way. And a reader alerted me a few weeks later to the fact that somebody who had, I think, 38,000 followers had used it as their profile picture, used it on their stories, used it in the highlight reel and in their feed and had removed my face, put another girl's face on and kept Mackenzie's because you couldn't really see his whole face, but obviously you could see Honours um, and was pretending it was their family. Now, I mean, I felt sick and I think more than the incident itself, it was a warning to how easy it is to do things and it could have been worse or malicious or just... I've heard awful stories of children ending up on child porn sites. And I'm just going to say that. And I was actually warned by another blogger mum whose child did end up on the child porn site that if you ever show a diaper or anything like that, it gets flagged by these sick people. So not to turn the conversation into a really dark place, but I do think it's important for people listening to realise that unfortunately in every million lovely followers there is probably a weirdo and so it's because of that weirdo that I've become a lot more protective it took almost three weeks for that content to be taken down and I was quite disappointed by that because it involved a child we had clear proof it was ours you know I'm now do feature on her all the time and I share what she's going through and tips and I ask for help a huge part of it is not me giving advice it's asking for it geez the mums are amazing that follow me and so I never want to not have her on but I'm just a bit more 
more conscious of, you know, half a face, a side of a face, top of her head if she's running around. I'm not so front on because of that, really. As the industry has changed over the now, what, like, you know, seven, eight years that you've had your own brand, what do you feel like you're learning lately about what's working for your business? To be really flexible constantly, not to get upset when things don't work and just pivot and be, you know, okay, fine, next, let's try something new. Mackenzie and I are, you know him, he's very silly and funny and irreverent and that content does really well. And our vlog particularly engages really highly because it's just us messing around and being silly and carrying a camera with us wherever we go and just being really honest, you know, like vacations with a baby flying with a baby let's not sugarcoat it it's (laughs) exhausting and it can be very difficult but if you have a bit of a laugh and a glass of wine at the end of the day it's fine so I think just being really real um yes the pictures on the feed are still curated and and edited but not over edited I've always been an advocate of yes if I have a big zit or something I'll get rid of it but that is about the extent of what I do I don't want to portray something that's false or misleading or not going to give girls confidence because that's what my whole shtick Mm -hmm. is really and speaking of confidence on plain Jane that's been a a big part of your life and you guys teach girls confidence yeah you teach them how to flirt what are some tips that you learned or picked up from plain Jane I really want to bring it back by the way every day I get asked by followers to bring it back and if we didn't do a new season at least to get the there are five seasons in, in a library that um you know I'm trying to get them on a certain channel actually at the moment but gosh I learned from that show so I got bullied at school I went to a girls school not for the entire time but between the ages of 14 and 16, and gosh, most people had a rough time in some shape or form. I'm not the only one. But at the time, it was pretty dark, and I remember thinking, this is hell and never going to end. And then in Plain Jane, I got the chance to use my experience to help girls. A lot of the women on there were as young as like 18 or 19 and were going through confidence crisis or eating disorders or strict, strict upbringings. And so I was able to draw upon that we worked with Matthew Hussey, who is a dating expert who lives in LA and he's smashing it. He's got millions of YouTube subscribers and best-selling books. And so we worked together back in the day on the show. He's amazing. And I would take a girl like skydiving just to break her out of her shell. And, you know, it wasn't just the makeover at the end of the day. So it was an amazing team and I, I it had a huge impact. And I can remember one in particular reveal when the, the cameraman actually was crying while he was filming her turn around in front of the mirror. And he was like a dad, you know, a 50-year-old dad. And I just thought, oh, it really does touch everyone. And I, I'm very proud of the show. So I learned to be in the moment, to not sweat the small stuff. And, you know, if your hair doesn't quite look right, it doesn't matter. And I know it's easier said than done, but I think even being at Fashion Week, I've become way more relaxed about that stuff. Yesterday I was like, nah, I'm wearing my flats, I want to walk. You know, I'm not (laughs) going to kill my feet over a heel or worry about perfect makeup and things like that. As your platform has grown, you have not only the opportunity to wear the flats, <laughs> but also have a, you know, a perspective on the things that you want to do and that are now important to you. So what are those things that you're thinking of as you plan your next chapters that we'll get to see and be a part of with Front Row? Well, actually, and we haven't announced this at all yet, so exclusive, we are going to be spending more time in Europe. It is something that being a mum now, and not just because of that, 
I haven't lived in the same country as any family for almost 11 years. And I miss them. I miss England. I miss countryside, pubs, you know, that British banter. And so we're not leaving LA. I will always love LA and New York where I've spent a lot of time, but we're going to be spending more time in Europe, hopefully find a place there to sort of go back and forth from. And that is really exciting to me. I think I'll appreciate Europe being on my doorstep more. Even appreciate the history of a city like London. I think whenever you live somewhere, you're like, yeah, yeah. But now I go back and look at that chimney. Oh, the rooftops, the cobbled streets um, and the ability to go into any museum or theatre. So I'm excited about that. That is it. You can see I'm like already lighting up about it. So some fresh inspiration. Well, we're excited to follow along. Is Mackenzie from Surrey? He's from the neighbouring county and actually, well, Windsor, which is where we got married, where Meghan and Harry basically copied our wedding. I mean, no, I'm kidding. But <laughs> there were, uh, did you watch it? Of course. So the long, it's called the long walk, which is the very, very long path that where their carriage went up to Windsor Castle. And we did that walk the day before our wedding and we stayed in the same cottage in the same hotel as, as she stayed the night before, Clifton. Just saying. But no, it's a beautiful place. And so I think we'll be hopefully spending more time around there. Mackenzie and I, are we worked together for almost six years as mates before we got together. I love that. So he really is my best mate, my business partner. He's great. Did you guys meet in LA? We were actually filming in the UK, but I was living in LA. So, so technically England, but I'd already left. Yeah. So I'm sure he's excited to be back home as well. And you guys have built a really beautiful home in LA that's been well documented in Architectural Digest. You guys can go look it up. It is fantastic. Do you think that you guys will carry that style forward in your new home? Or tell me a little bit about what you're thinking. No, I think a house dictates its style. I am obsessed with interior design. I actually hope to make that a bigger part of certainly my relationship with reward style. but, But it's just an area that I love so I want to excuse me work on that more on the blog and also document you know doing up a house so in England I'd love something older and I I love an antique but mixed with a bit more of a a modern vibe so brighter colours wallpaper prints velvet the lot I'm very excited to get into that so watch this space I will be showing it all Louise, we are so excited to follow along. If it is anything as fabulous as your your home in LA, it'll be exciting to watch. Also, you and Mackenzie and just your banter. I mean, HGTV is missing out by not <laughs> giving you guys a show yet. I'm sure yet. We did um, talk about it. I mean, you guys go online and watch their vlogs because Mackenzie is hilarious. And as I would say, kind of the male version of Louise, which is just the two most fantastic people in the world, the the best dinner dates you could ever have. And you'll definitely see with the vlog. These are people that you want to be friends with. So I'm I'm excited to get to. I want to say this. I know that you're interviewing me, but Amber, you and Baxter are the most inspiring, down to earth, cool people ever. And I quote you a lot or talk about you to other friends because if I'm sure all the listeners know all about you but you really are what you see is what you get and I don't know anyone else in the world who runs a very successful empire and is this incredible mum and mate and just super cool and P.S. they gave me the worst hangover I've had in the last decade when they took me to Javier's and made me drink mezcal and it was epic but I paid for it but I love you (laughs) we love you too Louise you guys follow I'm not allowed to cut that (laughs) 
You can follow along with Louise at louiserow.com. Row is R-O-E. And I'm at Louise Rowe on everything to make it easy. Great. Thank you so much, Louise. Thank you, babes. Shop Louise's everyday looks, home decor, and lifestyle essentials for the family. Follow her in the Like to Know It app at Louise Rowe. That's R-O-E. The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results all in the context of the lives of real, influential people who use those products. Search for products like trench coat, over-the-knee boots, stroller, white marble table, and get results from real people who use them. Like to Know What Product Search gives you an incredible contextual experience that cannot be found anywhere else. Join our community by downloading the Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play.